It was all a pipe dream Watching bodyboarding up on TV Deep at reef, watching tension repeats Eating bakery feeds at 18 Living the dream with no sunscreen Yeah, we were so keen Surfing Aussie pipe Buying Riptide Eating shit pies Maybe get high G'day and welcome to the Riptide Bodyboarding Podcast The home of bodyboarding Thank you for joining us on episode 2 of our Verbal Journaling And I'm your host, Luke O'Connor our guest today is a true ocean lover, boog fanatic, and all-round creative arts kind of guy. He's referred to by his close associates as the great white shark of his generation, and it's always <laughs> keen to spin a yarn or two. I'm talking about none other than Adrian Emerton. How are you, brother? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Um, just cracked open my first beer for a Sunday afternoon. I'm enjoying a, a uh, Captain Sensible Bolter. And oh, that's a that's a sensible beer for a, a Sunday. Yeah, I thought I'd just settle in. You know, I, I had last yeah. night off. I thought to myself, I won't go too hard in the sauce. I knew our yeah. our yarn was coming up, and this afternoon yeah. I just sums out. Birds were chirping. I was like, let the liquor hit me lips. Oh, that's that's good because it actually like justifies me having made myself like an Irish coffee. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I I pour myself a coffee. I'm like. I'm just going to have something to ease the nerves a little bit. So I just put a, just a dash of whiskey, you know, just to kind of, it's a Sunday thing, right? And that's, that's a bit of an adult drink, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And you're well caffeinated. I know we spoke earlier off air and you'd already pumped two double shots this morning. That's usually my mm. recipe to get mm. my, my rank body up and going. So why yeah. not have a third? Yeah, why not? you got to live. <laughs> that's it. What have you been, um, what have you been doing recently, mate? Um, well, I guess like, more recently, I was over in um, <clears throat> in Vietnam for a couple of weeks filming a, a documentary project, a personal project that, um, well, I guess, to give some context, I, I film documentaries and commercials for a living. So a lot of my work before the pandemic was um, overseas and to try and get back in the, the eyes of that market, all the brands that pay for you to sort of travel and shoot in those places, I thought, oh, you know, you, I better go over somewhere interesting that I haven't been and, and filmed something and, and put my work back out there again. Um, and I hadn't been to Vietnam, so I thought that it was a good opportunity to go and check out a place out that I haven't been to. And, um, yeah, it was a it was a pretty wild couple of weeks, actually. I ended up um, in this part of Vietnam. Have you been over that way? No, I, I haven't, mate. I, I definitely need to. Every um, report I get back from uh, my partner's mum and dad have been over there, plus one of my old bosses, and they rave about it. Oh, it's incredible. Um, I went up to I, – I spent most of my time up north in a place called Hajiang region, which is up near the border of China. And, um, you know, the landscapes are comparable to somewhere like Iceland, like very different, but they still, like, blow your mind as on the same kind of level. Um, so just, like, incredible views. It's still growing as far as the tourist scene goes as well, so it's not overly run by tourists. And um, it still had this, like, authenticity about the place that, you know, a lot of places in the world, it's still, you know, it's kind of hard to to get that sometimes now. So, yeah, it was, just seemed like the perfect fit to go and check out that place and do some filming. That's so nice. And um, yeah. what was the what was one of the major highlights of the trip? Was it just being up north and kind of, you know, more recluse and isolated from a lot of the Western influences of the major towns over there? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so the idea was to go over there and just shoot, like, just shoot a bunch of like B-roll and, and shots of landscapes and and, and faces and um, you know sort of cultural happenings and just put together essentially like a hype reel to you know just put my work out there as yeah 
a visual representation of, of my experience there. But then I, I came across this producer while I was over there and um, we connected and essentially he gave me access to these amazing people and um, people that live really off the beaten track and still live in a way that's like pre-industrial times. And they, you know, they have self-sufficient farms and they're really removed from any contact with Westerners and um, you've got to get, you know, dirt bikes out into the jungle to, to access them. So he, yeah, he hooked me up with, with those families and I went out off the beaten track and stayed with them for a while and, and filmed some, yeah, their, their practices and um, their way of life in general. It was just such an, an eye-opening experience. So, so epic. Did, um, to, just when you mentioned beforehand in regards to uh, your location being close to the border of China, did you feel any sort of tensions up there at the current stage and with um, how, how world politics are kind of trending along? Oh, it's definitely something in the back of your mind, but, um, <clears throat> you know, you're pretty, you're pretty sweet in the Vietnamese side, but you definitely wouldn't want to try and cross that, that line. Um, but apparently, the, so there are two local people that live up in that region to, um, uh, geez, what was you, I guess you call them uh, local indigenous people, and they, they often do cross between China and Vietnam, and the government turn a little bit of a blind eye to them doing that because they don't consider them as a threat, and they've been doing so for you know hundreds of years. So I thought that was interesting that they're still able to sort of get away with crossing those borderlines and um, not having too many ramifications because they have come, they have you know families spread out across that that region. Um, but you know you definitely wouldn't dare to do so as a as a traveller or someone passing through Vietnam. That's for sure. That's that's a full credit to the culture of the Vietnamese people because they've mm. obviously been portrayed, um, back to my eyes anyway, as quite a, a kind and, and cruisy kind of natured people. But um, mm. that's quite evident there if one of the world's biggest superpowers at the moment is happy for them to cross willy-nilly over their, their, their borders, and that's that's massive. Yeah, I, th- I think they just, you know, it might just be certain, um, you know, certain people that do live up there you know i'm not sure if anyone could could give it a crack but um yeah it's just interesting that there's still that sort of fluidity with um border crossing and um i'm not sure how many parts of the world that allow that sort of thing these days yeah definitely um was there much of a boo culture of vietnam just seeing it going on i'm not sure about that Uh, can you boo in vietnam i know there's like little sort of windsurfing waves or something out there on, on the east coast yeah, I've name, heard, and I think off a couple of the islands down further south, okay. but um, yeah, right. again, you know, I've only heard whispers. I have no credible information. Um, yeah, no, I didn't. I wasn't over there to chase waves, that's for sure. Yeah, um, it'd be amazing if you did bring a boog along and you oh, somehow stumbled across something, some crazy setup. Imagine, yeah. Um, no, I, um, I, I don't know. What about on the other side of that peninsula there? I guess like heading towards. I've heard that there's waves. Um, like if you continuing continue to follow that Southeast Asian coastline around to the west, and you end up eventually in Myanmar, I think there's waves off islands off the south coast of Myanmar. Okay. Um, yeah, which could be interesting, but they're meant to be really hard to access. Um, even better. But I, I haven't seen any photos, or yeah, even better. Exactly. Real adventure to get there, I guess. But. Yeah, true. Um, God, there'd be some um, there'd be some warm water locations there, wouldn't there? Oh. Absolutely. And probably dengue fever riddled too. Oh, man, unbelievable. It'd be just so isolated, no resources. Yeah. You'd be out there in a yeah. you know, woven canoe just hoping for the best but expecting the worst. 
are, are we conjuring up like the next Riptide trip? Is this what I'm thinking? Like, oh man, you, you know, um, ears to the ground, man. Just in, any sort of yeah. info coming out of random locations. I, I know yeah. like Google Earth's pretty much taken um, that mantle of, of exploration out of the picture, but at the same time, there's still so many zones I reckon that that mm. would be um, kept on the the DL or old fish we only know about. Surely, sure. So obviously you've done Vietnam and that's that, that's amazing. You're doing it more like a commercial sense for your for, for your business, being a director and producer. Um, but you've you've also done some other incredible uh, travel locations. And I've only just looking back over your stuff previously uh, with uh, producing the movie The Chase, the bodyboarding flick featuring Mitch Blewett. You've done Tahiti, um, the Cook Islands. You've gone all through Tassie. South Australia, the deep south, coast of New South Wales, and, and I know in other trips you've done, like Iceland also. What what would be the number one zone for you uh, throughout your travels in regards to waves? Um, I, like the most photograph, photogenic wave would have to be Chobes. I'm sure lots of people would say that anyway, and just like where it is, um, that's a pretty obvious one to say, I guess. But South Australia is amazing too. Like that has its... Um, its own raw beauty and incredible setups everywhere, as you you know yourself. Um, and yeah, we're just lucky to live in a place that still has incredible waves that are isolated enough to get to yourself. Um, yeah, with just beautiful coastlines and um, great people as well. Like the people that you cross paths with when you go to these spots, you're often on the same wavelength, even though you might live in completely different states. You all sort of have a similar mentality, which I've find really cool you know it's not often that you walk down the street and sort of bump into people at the the cafe and you instantly sort of connect with them because you're on the same kind of wavelength but you tend to find that when you're you're chasing waves don't you think oh i mean definitely i I was only just as you were saying that thinking about walking down to my local cafe here in the shire and don't wrong like a lot of people are into water sports and use the waterways here in the beaches but at the same time it's a whole different mindset Mm. To, to, to people wanting to chase um, raw and wild locations and waves all around Australia compared to, you know, just taking the seven-foot softy out Green Hills on a yeah. you know, two-foot two northerly day. Is, is there a beach left at Cronulla or what's, what happened there? Oh, man, shocking, shocking times. Um, yeah. It looks like we're kind of paying paying the price for all that sand mining back in, back in the 70s and 80s because mm. we had sand hills that were just towering, like I'm talking... You know, I wouldn't be able to even put um, an, a number on it, but the height of those sand dunes back at that time, the way it would, um, you know, shelter the whole coastal region from erosion in regards to the replenishing sand when the northerlies blew, it would blow it back into the ocean in almost like a triangular pattern. That would create mm. amazing banks. That would also flesh out the whole um, uh, coastline and the beach itself. So there was a mm. shallow, solid pack of... Um, uh, sand like you know another 30 40 50 meters out from the actual beach itself and that stops a lot of the energy guttering out the beach and right now we've got to a stage where our sand's been mined all around the world to places like america and hawaii and mm. you know to all different industrial estates and now we're just copping the brunt of um our peninsula being slowly eroded away because the yeah. natural process can't take its um take its place anymore and mm. it's, pre- it's pretty sad man like we're looking at north Cornell at the moment yeah. there's been that much erosion that the lifeguard towers have to be taken out um they're putting all new rocks in there just to kind of make almost like a semi 
rock wall or like um, barrier, I guess. So from the energy of the ocean, especially in La Nina at the moment, like the amount of mm. easterly swells we've had and how active the ocean's been, and the high tides, man. Like I, I know, yeah. like, you know, we we get high tides every year, and there's big um, king tides and whatever, but they've coincided with a lot of these swells and. Yeah, it's kind of dire straits. They need to do something. Hopefully, start pumping sand out of the port hacking and do like a um, a Gold Coast scenario where, you know, all the fellas up there that are producing beautiful Bolter beer. Um, mm-hmm. also yeah, 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 yeah. Sponsored by Bolter beer, is it? Oh, mate, I'm telling you now. I mentioned him a couple of times. Just putting the hand out there for a bit of a, you know, yeah, yeah. I don't mind. But nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um yeah there's 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 problems and there definitely needs to be solutions laid on the table because yeah uh, Cronulla is seen as a um it's registered as a, a surfing, surfing reserve site. isn't it yeah reserve yeah. And, and now it's just kind of in tatters so um yeah the council it's a shame man. Out for him. yeah and there's, there are still places there as you know that like you can still feel like you're miles away and um even those those places and and they're still you know pretty close to Cronulla itself, but those places are at um, jeopardy of being lost as well due to development. So it's just like, yeah, it, they're, they're special spots and it would be, be sad to lose them. Definitely, man. And, and you know um, better than most, you've lived a fair bit of your life in the eastern suburbs and around different parts of Sydney. Like you can see the coastline, the way it's shaped. All that residential area has been pushed as far as it can to the mm. to the to the most easily points of those areas. And now Cronulla is one of the last standing zones where, you know, it is a little bit of a hidden oasis at times. It's, it's, it's yeah. well populated, don't get me wrong, but as you said, mm. there are those zones that still have um, rawness to them. But I think you're mm. right, they will be gobbled up by capitalism at its finest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's the reality we live in. I know, man. Change is, is something we need to embrace. It's just um, you want to do it in moderation and make sure all the all the um, stakeholders involved, i.e. the surfing community, gets their yeah. fair share too. Yeah, for sure. Um, so have you got anything coming up on the horizon, mate? What's the go uh, with your bodyboarding pursuits? Is there anything in the um, in the pipeline? Is there another chase that we can look forward to? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I felt like I needed a bit of a break after doing the chase and not only because I'm sick of shooting bodyboarding, no, that's not true. I... Um, <laughs> I I, I, yeah, I guess I needed to focus on work again for a couple of years. And, um, uh, but then, you know, you've, you've got that urge, you've got the itch you can't scratch. Um, you know, an idea pops into your head and you think, oh, I don't, I've got to do this thing. And if I don't do this thing, I'll look back and think, geez, I regret not giving it a crack. Um, so I've been thinking about uh, this project that I'm working on at the moment which I, I won't say too much about because it's still in sort of development stages, but essentially it's another bodyboarding film. Well, um, when I say film, it'll be a series. And um, I'm going to title it the, the Common Thread series. <laughs> and <laughs> so, so to give you a bit of a, a gist, it's essentially like an all-encompassing bodyboarding documentary. And, uh, you know, some people might think, oh, yawn, that's, that's pretty boring, you know. <laughs> Next, I just want to see people getting barreled and doing big airs. But I, I feel like the the sport, you know, it's in a bit of a, as you know, a bit of a state of purgatory at the moment or has been for a while. And um, there's still so much opportunity for the sport to develop and grow and uh, to kind of nurture talent within the sport and, and um, new generation that are going to be coming through. And I feel like 
it really needs to um, enter the public domain more so. And to do that, I thought that maybe making a documentary series with broader public reach could get more eyes on the sport itself and hopefully draw in more interest in ultimately more investment and um, uh, productivity into the sport itself. Yeah, man, I think you're, you're definitely on the right path there. And it's only quite evident if you look over to our older brother surfing and how um, recently the WSL has been taken over by um, a new bunch of, of, I guess, managers and directors. And they have really, same as, you know, NRL, same as same as so many other sporting codes and brands and, and you know, business systems alike, that they've all got to cater to the widening demographic that want to be involved in the sport. And I think you bang mm-hmm. on the money with trying to make it more relatable and showing what really goes down in the sport instead of just us looking like the outcasts and the weirdos wearing fins mm. and riding a boogie board up and down the beach. It's like showing the mm. dedication, the time, the passion, the logistical nightmare that comes with chasing waves and actually yeah. finding proper heavy slabs on the right conditions, you know, the right weather patterns, that's all lost on people. And Mm, it's also mm. lost on people is the amount of failure that comes with chasing waves of consequence like that. And with the the WSL and and with um, the surfing industry in general, there's been a recent series come out. I can't remember what the name of it is. Um, I think we were only speaking about it the other day. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, kind of like the F1 series you were talking about yes, too. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Same directors and, and pretty much mm. they portrayed the the lives in and out of the water of those um, top WSL surfers and just mm. gave a real understanding to the viewership of what it takes to mm. to be at that level and the ups and downs, the rounds, the training, you know, the... Mm the constant banging your head up against the wall, losing Mm. more than you win. Like that's Mm. a humbling experience in itself. And I know the IBC and and our bodyboarding um, competitive landscape at the moment probably isn't isn't up to that, but it's still there in in regards to the drive and the passion. And I think if that could be betrayed through, through your, you know, excellent fucking cinematographer skills man i've got to admit like the chase for me i, I love watching and i've watched it over and over again because you gave um you gave feelings to locations and you could not just feelings but you could like understand what it felt like to be there to to to, to get a grip of the the ups and downs of travel and just what it meant to mitch to get really epic set swells and sessions mm-hmm. out of all the different um you know, ventures that you guys went on, and I'm sure the Basel yeah. was more was more geared in the way of um, of of failure rather than success half the time. But yeah. those successful missions, man, they are they're they're yeah, what, what makes what makes you you do it, I guess. You know, like yeah, yeah. Mitch is pretty representative of so many bodyboarders out there. You know, like he doesn't take it professionally or overly seriously. He's never competed. Um, he just truly does love to chase waves and. And the lifestyle around that, you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't really drink, he doesn't party, you know, he just like everything is sort of centered around, um, yeah, just getting good waves and and hanging out with good mates. Um, Even his which job, I thought, man, like he's a yeah. lifeguard, isn't he? He's a beach yeah. lifeguard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah so man. he's always Trying around the water and exactly, yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, but I, that project with Mitch was fun, and we, like we'd travelled a fair bit and. Like the chase was never really aimed to be a movie. 
from the outset. Like it was more so just, you know, let's go on cool trips together and shoot and surf and have a good time. And then COVID came around and had all this time to kind of do something. And um, so I thought I'll, I'll make a film out of what we've done and shoot a bit more and turn it into a bit of a story about our travels. And um, But now, like with Common Thread, I really want to, you know, flesh out something that is all-encompassing about what it means to be a bodyboarder, like who we are, the unique characters within the sport, and um, the essentially the the past, present, and where it's headed. Um, so an all-encompassing bodyboarding series is is the aim of Common Thread, and I, I don't want to just you know I don't want to brush over it too lightly in terms of you know just purely focusing on the positives. I feel like it's important that we you know go down the rabbit hole a little bit and talk about the problems that are inherent within the sport, whether or not that may be, you know, mismanagement from people who are within the industry or, you know, maybe um, the fact that bodyboarders or, or the sport tends to cannibalise itself, um, which I know that that's a term that you're fond of, Luke. Oh, mate, I was just about to say, as soon as you said, said that term, I was thinking to myself, we need to exercise the demons and release them out of the industry from which they have come, you know? <laughs> like everywhere, man. Like, you know, people are people have got the the, the best interests at heart, um at at heart, sorry, in regards to, to doing, you know, what what what's right in, in their eyes. But um mm. you know, as as my father says, opinions are like arseholes. Everyone's got them and sometimes mm. these conflicting opinions uh, clashing together and creating a stalemate doesn't really mm. um, doesn't eventuate into good results and, and, and progression for the sport. No, progression's such yeah. an overused term these days with like so many fucking YouTubers and Instagrammers throwing it out there and this that and the mm. other. But it's but it's true. Like progression's needed for our sport and we need to kind of work together as mm. a community instead of being individual brands that are trying to cut each other off at the knees with. You know, very, um, very scantily priced products sure, that sure, don't really yeah. give enough, um, give enough profit margin for people to continually keep growing and and progressing their business. So yeah, yeah. I think you're bang on, man. You are bang yeah, on. With yeah, I mean, to I, I, I feel like I'm almost stating the obvious, you know. And I, it's you know, every burger is aware of it. Um, I think anyway, but um. I like to delve deep because I feel like I'm like I'm removed enough from the sport. Like I wasn't really involved in it at all, um, you know, up until more recently. And then, so so I like to sort of dive deep into some of the issues. Say, you know, ten years ago when things started to turn a little bit pear shaped, and um, I want to I want to learn. I want to find out why. I want to find out like, you know, can these sorts of things be rectified? How do we? How do you move forward professionally? You know, how do you how do you act like adults and and bring something, um, bring the entire industry forward again? Because it brings all of us so much joy, you know, and we all have um, different reasons why we do like to surf. You know, I was talking to a mate the other day about it, and he's a surfer, and, you know, he's, he's a little bit disappointed in the way that professional surfing has gone, where it's become almost too professional to some extent. And yeah. it's taken away, like, the, the spirituality and, and art form that, as to why he did it in the first place. Um, or more so, you know, simplistically, it would be more like him just having grown froth and running down to the beach and just wanting to jump in the water and catch waves. But, like, the old... It's not commercialised. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, I mean, you can still you can still propagate professionalism and, um, I think, 
uh, steer maybe or influence, you know, industries in the right way to kind of, you know, rise the tide, bring all the ships up and the rising tide. You know, people don't have to necessarily go down a professional pathway. They can still just pick up a boog and have a hell of a time. But, you know, wouldn't it be great if there were um, incentives for kids to then pick up the boog again and maybe take it on as a professional career? Yeah, um, and that's or the even just, statement right there. Mm, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you just saying. No, no, no. The um the rising tides, you know, raises all mm. ships in, in, in the bay mm. or the the yard or whatever it's the yard in mm. the um in the harbour. Like it's it's it needs to be looked at in that way because, you know, individual success is great, don't get me wrong, but there's only so long you can hold, you know, the industry or the, the success industry up on, on one brand's shoulders mm. or a select group of um brands or companies or you know, individual riders, everyone's got to be benefiting, you know, from the grassroots of community bodyboarding clubs all the way up to mm. um, the, the top international competitions and organisations. That's where mm. we're, we're really missing a structure. I, I noticed mm. massively, mm. I did, did some, some work on and off for Surfing New South Wales for four or five years there. And mm. the time I spent there um, under the director of um, Luke Madden, who's a, is a legend in the Cronulla surfing industry, he... <laughs> He he had such a a community minded outlook and and um, business plan on just joining, you know, almost like a government where you look at the the local, state, and federal governments. Probably not <laughs> ours at the moment in the way it communicates with its with its um, individual parties and and how it moves moves forward. But more so in just a. In, in just in like a nice pyramid, but not so much a pyramid scheme, coming mm. all the way up to the top of the apex, but the money mm. and the resources and the good times filtering throughout and being an, an even spread. I think that's where we, yeah. we we need to push. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, you think about it when we were growing up booging, you know, at least there was, you know, at least, at least films were being made, you know, magazines were around and, you know, we were we were looking at, um, things to strive towards and, and, to, and to do on a boog, but no one really has that now, you know, like we're, and um, I mean, you know, everyone's got, everyone uses Instagram and sees the, the um, ridiculously bad videos that Tim Benatha makes. I don't really think they're right. No offense to you. You just said what we're all thinking about. It's all good. Just lay it on the table. Just have a bit more Irish coffee. Uh, be all good. No, look. To be honest, to be, you know, like he, he's, he made, he was one of the OG boot filmmakers, wasn't he? You know. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was way back. Been yeah, yeah, for yeah. a long time. Shout out to Timmy Benoit, and you know. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just having opinions. a thing. I'm, I'm having yeah, a thing. But um, good, man. yeah, but uh, you know, I, there aren't that many people out there that are producing, you know, content to aspire to, and um, you know, if there was maybe more money in the industry, then um, you know, people would be more willing to go out on the limb and, and produce stuff that people want to watch and therefore influence, you know, the next generation coming through as well. So um, I think there are many things that you can do to, to elevate the sport again. And it's just such an accessible ocean craft, isn't it? You know, like anyone can go down to Kmart and pick up a you know, shitty board, not that you probably want to buy from those sorts of board manufacturers for the sake of the industry, but like they can go, they can grab it and then just have a good time in the whitewash. And it's been said over and over again that anyone can do that if you live in a, particularly on the eastern seaboard of Australia or anywhere near the coast in the world. And um, there's just so much market opportunity, it's outrageous. And we're just not making the most of that. And um, it probably boils back down to professionalism, I think, within the industry. For sure, man. I, you know, back to your point, so many ocean lovers 
do start their time on a craft in the ocean at any given mm. age on a bodyboard or a softy or something that you know resembles just sliding around on a wave and just getting to learn the the ins and outs of the energy in which you're you're you know gliding across but moving um once then to the next point i wanted to ask you what do you feel you know talking about the industry and where we need to be and and what we we could could get back to what can we learn from in the past in regards to the time of peak boogan like when do you think the term peak boogan being you know the the sport sitting at its, its highest um plateau what was peak boogan to you um oh that's a difficult question like you and i are probably like a little bit different in that like we're only probably how old are you now like you're like 32 or something Oh, I'm 39, dude. The grey's coming through. No, you're not. No, you're not. I'm 39. No, you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. 39, yeah. So there's a little... You're doing so well for 39. I look at you and I think, (laughs) I'm older than you. Fuck, that is classic. That's off, mate. What are you you running? You got tonics going? You you smash a mushroom? What's the go? It's the DHA in the fish oil, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Joints are lubricated well. Yeah, you've got to get the three times strength, you know. It's the ultra potency omega threes and DHA acids. So beautiful, um, beautiful. <laughs> um, no, it's because of bodyboard man, of course. You know, it's it hard keeps everyone down, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The ocean. Um, yeah, um, yeah. I, like coming through high school is when I started boogie, and that was the late nineties. So you know, I just remember all the mags were around and thriving then um movement hadn't quite started that was sort of as i hit university years i think when i was around 21 or so um but i guess like you know i remember those all the underground tapes and um you know riptide magazine being pretty prominent and you know bodyboarding actually entering a bit of a mainstream market as well we had surf brands you know that were starting to invest in bodyboarding as a sport too and that felt like the heyday to me and obviously like the 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 level of tech wasn't quite there like the riding itself didn't improve for another probably i mean there's still incredible riders then don't get me wrong but um i feel like the era of like hardy and kingy and and ben and lester and those guys like that was probably the that was probably peak booging as far as a skill set is concerned i guess the level of um the level of riding from the riders and that probably when was that do you think it was like early 2000s like 2000 yeah. 2010 or something yeah i'm i'm definitely agreeing with it. and i think also the money and the sponsorships were there like you still had billabong and um you still had rip curl involved i know rip curl sponsored like pierre for a good period, period of time but i think back mm. in the early 2000s like you've got to look at the most notable crazy balls to the wall comp that we probably ever had in the 2001 shark island challenge taken out by none mm. other than, you know real estate mogul port max finest damien king um that to me you know and i talked to a lot of other bodyboarders and you know i know um that's where sean pine local shout out to local canal ripper sean pine that's where he got all his um inspiration from watching that comp and just seeing mm. kingy forward into like take off on six foot East South East wedges do a huge forward like carve mm. stall and then race to an eight to ten foot East South East pit coming across right up into surge like it's not you know it's skill, not, yeah it's just nuts like the level of that yeah the level of that kind of surfing like it's rare that you actually see that these days like you know you and I have a have a mate from Cronulla that um, you know surfs really well as well like about the same age as you and but there aren't that you know and 
you surf really well with yourself too, Luke. You've got a hand in there. But, sir. you know, the, but there aren't that many guys that, you know, sort of, you know, are at King's level these days or, no way. or Hardy's level or, or Rawlins. Or Weenie. Yeah. Rawlins, yeah. Yeah. Like all those guys. Like, you have, yeah. I know Hub's still surfing and stuff. And, yeah. you yeah. know, you've obviously got Pierre Gornell came along, all the fellows mm. and Visions with Tom Robb and John O'Bruce. And mm. shout out to, to Michael Novi, man. Like, still to this day has never, I've never seen a better wave ridden at the infamous ride over in WA than. Oh, that thing Novi's is crazy. That, oh. That'll for ever be probably that's immortalized that pit for sure oh man I, I have every time that that image flicks through my instagram or it comes up in any sort of feed or mm. you know any sort of memory i have to stare at it for a good 30 seconds and just go what did old mate mick Novi feel during mm. that pit you know and if michael ever listens to this dm riptide give us an insight into what um what it felt like at the time and I'll, I'll, I'll be sure to read it out in the next potty because that is, oh, it's frightening oh, to look at, but it'll be amazing right. to be in. Hey, guys, like Louis, Louis obviously goes really hard over there as well at the ride. Like, I'm sure there'll be sessions that haven't been documented that those guys are getting and, you know, have comparable ways too, which is just scary. Like, that wave is just scary. It is dead. I don't want anything to do with that joint, hey? Yeah, it's, yeah, neither. It's frightening. Yeah. Every time you see... A lump come through. I know um, Chris White and a, a lot of his um, good mates, and and I know obviously Louis and George and and Davis, all, all the fellas over west have, have given it a huge shake out there. And I think Chris is in the um, in the sequence of producing uh, another tension. Oh, another I'm tension, sure. yeah. I think so, yeah. and I'm sure we're yeah. going to see some wild footage. Oh, that that's going to be right, that's going to be so good. I, yeah, I can't wait for that. Like that, so many people, you know, that are you know older generations as well are just going to absolutely froth when it gets released. And hopefully they do like a a nationwide tour as well. You know, bring back those those crazy premieres they used to have, and um, you know, uh, get that whole boog community together if it still exists. Who knows? Maybe there's crickets on the other end of this phone call, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> broadcast to all of about five people, eh? Yeah. But, um, yeah. I I think you're right. I, I think I think once that movie comes out, um, and the way Chris, you know, we all saw through the ten movies that he made, man, like every single one of them just kept getting better and better, <clears> and the the legacy in which he left never died. You still want more. Like it, <clears> you can watch those films again tomorrow and still be engaged yeah. as you were the first time when you watched them. So that's going to yeah. be something to look forward to. 100%. It's so good. Yeah. Um, so what else is happening in, in, in Sydney, bro? So you, well, we've obviously on the other side of COVID. I know, um, you know, you mentioned the other day out in the water that you've been doing a, a fair bit of commercial work again. And you, you mm. mentioned some, some pretty solid companies there. You've been doing stuff for Microsoft, Netflix, Spotify. Mm. How's that been? Yeah. No, it's, it's been really good, man. I'm super lucky. Um, yeah, I have just some awesome people that I work with, and um, yeah, I'm just so glad they call me back and ask me to, to keep shooting for them. So that's yeah, it's been it's been an awesome, um, I guess you could say like seven years or so, like bar the two in between with COVID. But um, yeah, it's I'm really really lucky. I, I get to I get to work with mates a lot too. Like I you know I bring on board um, other shooters such as. You know, Steve Wall and Caleb Grain are both, you know, core boogers as well and get to, you know, have their involvement on, on shoots too. And it's just great to be able to, 
yeah, work with your, your close friends and all have a similar sort of um, approach to the work too. I feel like, um, yeah, we're lucky to have that sort of common link. We get to hang out in the water and then hang out when we're working as well. So I know you, you get to work with a few of your surf mates too, don't you? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, th- this year, actually, um, since the pandemic, I've started working with Sean Cooper. Shout out to Coops at Improvement Pools. He's um, mm-hmm. been showing me the way of the of the trowel and the um, scout hammer and, and just a whole range of, <laughs> of um, backyard pool renovation tricks. It's been it's been amazing. It's been a cool 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 change too because. Um, I've worked more in a um, local government sense, like managing commercial pools, and now working with him in backyard pools and starting up my own uh, pool service and business, which mm. I won't go awesome. too much into. It's been a, it's been What's a great. What's the website um, again? No, I, <laughs> no, 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 that's all good. We'll, we'll, we'll keep the personal life straight. But yeah, it's been sick working with Coops, and also more of a sense to be able to surf. Um, with him during, you know, like work periods. He, he's, he's got a great work-lifestyle balance where he just goes, boom, waves are on this week. We're going to do yeah. X, Y, and Z. We need to get this yeah. done for our timeline, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. we've got these hours put aside. And the best thing is he's, um, he's, he's happy to be like, okay, we'll work early this morning, get a wave at lunchtime, do this, or if the waves we pump in early, we'll start late and vice versa. Mm-hmm. It's been such a treat, man. It's been, um, it's been yeah. a good mix-up and... You know, I'm I'm actually driving around too, which I was only laughing about the other day. Is such a I'm driving around in such a bodyboarding car, a bodyboarding oh, yeah? car. Is it, it's, is, oh. is it like a little hatchback? Is it hatchback grey Hyundai thirty man? There's a couple of dents yeah. and dents in it. I've got all Perfect. my pool servicing gear in the back. The car just reeks of chlorine, hydrochloric acid. I'm almost making bloody mustard gas in there, man. Like oh. I almost feel like a are the empty tins of tuna and banana peels there as well? Yeah. Well, that's also the funny thing. I've been smashing tuna salads for lunch because, you know, yeah. I've been on like a, a pretty strict budget getting things going. And I, mm-hmm. I feel like I'm back 20, 20 years old again driving down to Bali trying to um, keep everything on a shoestring budget. I'm telling you, it's got Omega-3, Luke. You've got to, you know, keep on that regime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's funny you say that, man. Like, I know we're having a laugh about it, but. There is something about having a good amount of tuna and fish in your diet compared to other meats and, you know, everything's mm. balanced, obviously. But it makes a difference, man. It really mm. does. It's, it's huge. Do you want to know something, though? I, like, I'm, I'm too scared to eat tuna before I serve. Like, oh, I, like, to me, that's just like, you know, you're, you're pretty much, you live bait in the water. Like yeah. you're gonna reek, <laughs> you're gonna reek of it. There's not like the last thing I want to think about is, oh, what do I eat? Just like, you know. A, a tin of tuna, jump in the water, legs legs dangling about, can't see what's beneath me. Like it's just no. Nah, I I I try and avoid it pre sir but I know a lot of people do do it. But I, I feel like they're just they're dancing with death. They're playing with fire. Yeah, true, true. I haven't yeah. thought of it like that. I, I'm just yeah. hoping there's enough preservatives and enough weird shit in that in that canned <laughs> fish that um the sharks don't even recognise. Yeah, you turn the nose up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I gotta admit the the breath it produces, man. Like I've definitely got to come home and, and whack the toothbrush in the mouth, hey. <sighs> oh, that's sure to scare off any potential new client in your pool business. Oh, mate, a hundred percent. Walking around with a P two mask on at all times, half coat, half <laughs> PPE, and it's all good, eh? <laughs> oh, that's good. 
Oh man. Well, um, bro, we're we're probably coming up to the. I don't want to. I don't want to cut us off, but I, I want to be mm. mindful of making these. Um, you know, short, sharp, and in, insightful conversations. I wanted to. Yeah. Thank you for coming on, man, and and um, spreading your knowledge, spreading your love, and and it's been a good chat, Adrian. No worries, man. I just want to. I just want to put out there that if there's anyone listening to this that. Um, you know, has been involved in bodybuilding and they think they have a pretty interesting sort of inside story to tell, then feel free to reach out to me because, um, yeah, I love to hear all angles of of perspectives from our sport. And, um, yeah, if you've got anything really interesting that you think people should know about or, you know, you just want to talk about um, your particular involvement in the sport, then, yeah, drop us a line. Yeah, where's the best place to contact you, mate? Uh, just... Reach out to me on Instagram, probably. It's probably the easiest. Insta, a couple of DMs, yeah. just slide straight into yeah. those DMs. Yeah, that's it. The big shark will be waiting. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I can't believe you dropped that, eh? Oh, I had to, oh, man. We've, you've been swimming oh, around the ocean God. for a long time, you know? <laughs> Fucking top of the food chain. <laughs> All right, brothers. Oh, it's been good, good chat, right. man. Thanks, man. I'll see ya. Keep on. It was all a pipe dream, watching bodyboarding up on TV, deep at reef.